Hey! Welcome to the Call Her Auntie podcast. My name is Grace, and we are so glad you're here with us. We're just your northern girls trying to live our best life in the city. So if you're on those dreadful morning commutes or on the subway, wherever you are, we hope you're listening to us and relating to our experience because both Quay and I have been there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the third episode of the Call Her Auntie podcast with our very special co-host, Faith Julian. As you know, right now, Grace is taking some time to love her children and focus on her own healing and well-being. But we have our sister auntie, Faith, here joining us, taking us and introducing us to some badass bitches or women from (laughs) the East Coast. So we just recorded with um your cousin sister friend. Yes. Gway everyone. My cousin Jessica McDonald Haji Haji Muhammad is her married name. And uh she, we just had such a wonderful talk being able mm-hmm. to have her on the show and share her story um about having faith and um traveling across the Mm -hmm. world and how she got there and also on her journey of love family and having three daughters yeah really from the conversation I got um like I hope that our listeners also take away from it that like the creator really does have our back whether you look at him as god or the creator or any other um what is the word deity deity however you look at your faith they really do have our back and um you have to like bet on yourself believe in yourself Mm -hmm. and I think that that's really important um but speaking of like betting on yourself what are your new year's resolutions really quick before we let the listeners listen yes so I I always like to refocus in again on health and reassessing, you know, what went wrong last year? What can I do better? What's, what is, you know, meaningful to me and what do I really want for my life? So it's a really good time to just like reassess, reset. And I know I've talked about this before, you know, always setting the reset button and prioritizing, you know, what's important and new year's resolution for me is, um, you know, focus on my health, get in shape and, you know, stay off the sugar. And I've been off sugar now for like almost two weeks and, um, back in the gym training and I've been feeling so much better, stronger, clearer minded. And, um, it's just such a great time of year to, um, you know, to reset yourself and do what you want to do. I like your, I like your news resolutions because me and Erica, my um, we always do like get fit, be able to do do whatever. Last year, my New Year's resolution, I'm pretty sure I, I did was like to run. I'm pretty sure what I said was to run 10k once, so like a half, maybe I shot it over the moon and said a marathon, but I did run 10k twice. So if half marathon is 21, then I technically did it 
That's excellent. <laughs> I I do believe in New Year's resolutions, and I think it is a really good time of year. Uh, it doesn't matter if you failed or you gave up. The main thing is that you're you keep on trying, right? And I like for myself, I smoked in my teenage years. Not a lot mm-hmm. of people know that, but I did smoke throughout my teenage years. Cigarettes. 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 And uh, we didn't have vape in those days, <laughs> but I don't do that either. But at the time, uh, I made my New Year's resolution to quit smoking back in 2009 when I was around 20. And it took me oh. every single day of the month. January 1st, January 2nd. It was finally like January 31st and I smoked my very last cigarette. Oh, January, January 31st. Yeah. But I put that intention. Yeah. first, And it happened for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my intention every year is to be able to lose weight and I am, have been stagnant. So <laughs> as long as I don't keep as long as I don't give up and keep trying, I mean, it's a win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've been finding, though, it really hard. Like, <clears throat> I don't know why it's hard for me to get back into being, like, a gym rat. Because we used to do that. We used to, like, we talk so fondly about our gym dates and how we push each other. Um, But, right, I think it's, like, maybe that's maybe that's it maybe because I don't have a friend to gym ride with me but I have a lot of friends who go to classes and I think mm-hmm. that um I, in 2023 I will get back to lifting heavy right now I am definitely focused more on classes and still being active and like finding the joy and movement like yes you don't need to be in the gym either right like Mm -hmm. you can that's one thing I really love about one of the seven circles of wellness which Mm -hmm. I touch on a bit when with our discussion with uh, Jessica Mm -hmm. but Chelsea and Thosh's book um, they have that one component right movement and Thosh talks about earth gym and just making anywhere you know your gym you know, I have one, I like, if, if I love, I love Tosh and Chelsea, and if they ever came up or came on the podcast, I would never say this to their face, but the, <laughs> the <laughs> one critique I had about the earth gym was I was like, okay, Tosh, you live like in this beautiful reserve. I have these giant fucking trees that I don't like and rocks and like, yeah, I can hike, but it's not as cool as yours. So you can have an earth gym. I have he has a earth great earth gym. I wonder how their earth gym goes when they go to Chelsea's neck of the woods. Yeah. So that's what I want to know. I mm-hmm. want that. That info. But how does that go? If you ever hear that, gosh. Yeah. Or Chelsea. Tell us or how Chelsea. it goes. We want to know. I um love you. <laughs> yes, we do love you. We're big fans. Big fans. I know I was like aggressive for a second, but not forever. (laughs) I haven't done Earth Gym that much a couple times. I have gone to random playgrounds and I'm like, I could do some stuff around here. Yeah. 
but that's when I'm on a totally different level of maintaining my fitness. You, that one time we went to um Vance, you were on your fitness regime and you did body weight workouts like every morning. And I, I think back and I think about that and I think that's like Earth Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just using your own body weight. Mm-hmm. I did that today, actually. The fitness center is closed down where I'm at. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we had a storm like 20 centimeters of snow so I tried to leave and then I just slid down the street and I was like uh I think I'm gonna turn around so Uh, I basically just took all the snow off my car pulled back in and I did some I did a little shoulder workout from my room with like (laughs) I did though you could do a lot Mm -hmm. of different things like pike uh push-ups regular push-ups sidewalls like had one little band you can get creative you could really get creative anything I think that bands are really great and I actually had a fight with my brother at Christmas time because I wanted to use our our bands and borrow them because um I just wanted to and we had a fight over them so bands are really are great but I mean the one not like the loop I mean the one that you like stick in a door and you like yes yeah good because they they have resistance mm-hmm. both ways, you know, the eccentric and concentric. Mm-hmm. They you can, you know, get a good workout with the band, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. They're excellent. It's really just pushing. I used to always get stuck on a number, like, okay, I'm gonna do like three sets of 12 or 15 or four sets of 12. But lately I just been trying to just do as many reps as possible it's like in not necessarily focusing on 15 amram yeah amram so i find that's been pretty helpful and i've been a bit more like more sore lately yeah and i just been telling myself okay one more can you do one more one more and doing that whole like one more thing yeah and it's helping me like push myself a bit further to failure for sure like normally where you would have like a coach or like a trainer push you and then just doing it yourself like that's what I want to get back to so I'm really glad that you're there already knowing that like you're doing it um I just am gonna I'm gonna be a buff girl this year on the leg I'm lifting 270 or pushing 270 on the leg press right now Wow. And I think I'm ready to to move up to 300 pounds. I think you are too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're ready for 300 pounds. We're ready to start weightlifting again. Um, we hope that everyone is going to put an intention for the year. It doesn't have to be a resolution. And I guess we like hope you like our episode with Jessica, right? Yes. You guys are going to enjoy her. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, Today, we are once again out in Millbrook First Nation. We're hanging with some new pals. The one thing I wanted to say right right away before um, we get into it, but right away from when I met Jess, is there's something about um Mi'kmaq women where you're just what is like there's like this 
loving glow. Like I, whenever I meet anyone, maybe it's a Millbrook thing. I just feel so like engulfed in your loving aura where I'm just like, oh, like I just get sucked <laughs> in and I'm like, oh, thanks for having me here. Like I'm just like nestled in your um friendship. So <laughs> with that <laughs> positivity, this that's exactly how I hope our listeners feel with our past um guests, but also with um our guest say Jess. So Faith, I'll hand it over to you to give more of an introduction. Gwaib yes. Jalasi. So welcome to uh, Mi'kma'ki. We are in Eastern Canada, Nova Scotia. Our community is um, Millbrook First Nation. And I would like to introduce my first cousin. Her name is Jessica. And uh, she's a Mi'kmaq woman, mother of three girls. And she's been married for almost nine years nine years wow and uh she uh she moved to switzerland with her boo and uh yeah they lived in toronto australia she's she's lived in toronto australia and switzerland all throughout her 20s which is incredible and she also volunteered in switzerland helping women who were in human trafficking and prostitution in the streets and in as well as the red light district um, yes, she's a mother of three girls, girl gang, and she studied at uh, Hillsong International Bible College in Australia, and she also completed her diploma in social development work, and that was an online program with the, the Native Education and Training College. I highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. She's also an auntie. However, she is like the same age as her aunties and she has oh one yeah is that a little that's a little younger than her three months so <laughs> three exactly months. three months so she's <laughs> like the aunties because yeah. uh, her rest of the siblings had kids and she kind of fit into that auntie category so her little sisters still need are still growing up mm-hmm. so soon to be auntie but she's been an auntie for quite some time now and I am just so excited to have uh, have Jessica here. Welcome. Thank you Welcome, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, first things first, my first question for you is how is it being a mother of three girls? Because me and Grace, okay, me and Grace have like, she oh, now she has her daughter, but she only had her son Nico for like five years. And then yeah. my, me, I only have my brothers and we only, I only have my nephews. And Faith comes in from a different world where it's predominantly sisters. And then you only girls tell me what that life is like and what a, a morning is like for you. <laughs> it depends like if it's summertime, Christmas break compared to when the kids are in school. Um, so I'm a very like routine kind of person. And that's how I work really good. Like, especially with my kids, I have to have good routine with them. Otherwise, they're kind of just like chaotic and well, kids are chaotic in general, but I mean, like having three girls, what I'm learning is that girls like to fight and <laughs> scream and <laughs> they get a little dramatic over the smallest things. And I'm not used to, <laughs> it's actually new to me because I have a very um, big age gap between my two younger sisters. So I'm going to be 32 this year and my sisters are 18 and 15. 
so they were babies and I was kind of like second mom like when they were born or well you know when they were like growing up but um so I had that huge like age gap with them that I never really experienced having a close in age center where I was like fighting with them because I was kind of like another mom (laughs) with them um Mm -hmm. so with my girls it's kind of like new territory of experience like watching them be sisters and Mm -hmm. I love it because that's what I always wanted when I was younger was to have like close sisters but I kind of was raised as you know single child only child and um yeah, I love to watch it and I'm excited for when they're getting older and they can all become like best friends and they'll have each other and it's just going to be a really special thing for them. And I mean, you could also ask my husband how it is for him <laughs> because he's pretty outnumbered right now, but he doesn't mind. <laughs> yeah, he said he he loves being uh, a girl, girl dad. dad. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. Into it. That's a whole 14 year gap between you and your little sibling they just did the math yeah you're like in grade nine yeah so that was like pretty pretty wild like having like a baby sister so now like just to answer your question with um how's it like on a daily basis like girls go to school I'm home with the baby now because I have a five-month baby um and last time I saw you was pregnant um so that's kind of like just I even made an Instagram post the other day of saying it's funny how you can be familiar with certain like seasons that you've already gone through. And I feel like, like the third time doing the whole, like, you know, small baby stage, just the different like um, stages through that. It's like familiar ground that I've already been in, but yet I have to be present in those moments to be like, Hey, like this is also another different child Um, and not comparing that they're all the same and getting strictly in that like routine mode I have to also be present um in a lot of like other areas so there's a lot of balance like in being a mom but I feel like I feel like I'm doing a good job <laughs> so <laughs> I second that yeah. I, her daughters are so sweet and um one thing I really like about them is that every time I take a picture of them they want to see the picture right after yeah. I take it. <laughs> Yeah, like that is such a girl thing (laughs) they're the girliest girls yeah yeah um it's so neat too like you remember when um my niece had an Encanto birthday party right I was just gonna bring that up and uh, they were like amazed looking at me and I was just throwing they were amazed I was amazed too (laughs) oh yeah I quit too you contrast me when you like came out and you're throwing petals everywhere. I was like the third one of them. Just... <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, everyone I... was just like, whoa. <laughs> um, okay, I have a question. When Because you said about, oh, you're very aware that they're all different children too. One thing my mom told me was that each child each child's temperament or their personality is different so the way that you parent is different because I would be like why aren't you yelling or why why aren't you yelling at my brothers yeah (laughs) like but do you see that right away and how soon did you see the difference in them um I would say like Everly she Everly's my oldest one um she's six and she's 
so funny like I see a lot of my personality in her like my different characteristics that I have I see a lot in her and I'm even like the way that she talks and I'm I'm like watching how she's talking and it's so funny because I'm like how does she learn to talk like that and then I sit back and I'm like oh I talk like that (laughs) (laughs) and then I have like she's very um what'd you say? I have to do like a a count to three type of thing with her. And I feel like Mm -hmm. she has a little bit of selective hearing. Like she Mm -hmm. hears me, but she's like acting like she don't. So she tests me more in those areas. And then my middle daughter, she's um, more, what would you say? Like high temperament? Like she, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she gets frustrated more easily. She, I would say she has like the, the feisty side of me. And I know in her character, when she gets older, she's going to be like, very um, strong to know who she is and not allow people to take advantage of her. And I'm, I don't feel like worried about her. And I feel like my older one, like, she has to maybe speak up a little bit more and know that she has a right to do that. Um, yeah, so just like little things I'm noticing with them, um, they definitely have different, completely different personalities. Um, but that's what makes it so interesting. And I'm just trying to take one day at a time, um, learning how to <laughs> parent and mom, you know, handle with these girls, because I know that I'm going to be the product of their, like, you're a product of your environment, whether people want to admit that or not, but like, no matter what, you will always have things that will come from your childhood. And I'm trying my best to bring out those good things. But of course, you're going to have your, you know, little air areas, but that's life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and, you know, going into sort of like your childhood experiences um you know what are some like maybe some highlights or um some challenges of growing up on the reserve and sort of what led you to take those next steps to you know the Mm. steps that you did take which is pretty incredible oh my goodness so like not getting into detail I told Faith I was like I'm gonna try to do this like the male version of like sharing (laughs) things because you know women get into a lot of detail and the men keep like short and sweet not enough detail and you're like yeah but this is also what happened too I'm always Mm -hmm. nudging my husband then I speak for him (laughs) 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 he's like whatever it gives up but anyways um so yeah with like my childhood so basically um short version like my father went to prison when I was um almost like three years old, I was like two years old. Um, Mm -hmm. And so with him being in prison until I was 18 years old, that even though he wasn't like presently there in my life, it did affect me growing up in my, um, my identity, Um, always wanting to be accepted, looking for approval. Um, There's just like a lot of like areas I've started to become more aware of as I'm getting older because Mm -hmm. I like being married there's certain ways that I'll react or do things and I'm like why am I doing these things because I'm the product of my environment of what I was raised in like when I was growing up so my mom I did have a stepdad when I was three um up until like yeah now so that really was a great blessing in my life but not having my biological father it really did affect my identity and so a huge thing for me was like when I was 14 I came to my faith as like a Christian and that's where it was like faith's mom um Mm -hmm. and her sister Alicia 
really helped mentor me in my life. And I feel like if I didn't come to my faith in my life, my life would look very differently today. Cause there's a lot of like alcoholism, like in my family, um, like addiction on, you know, just like with certain people have areas where they're more prone to, like where I say, like, if somebody's more prone to like with alcohol or like, maybe I would have been if I did explore more down in that area. So the thing is, I stayed on a positive track. And I just always try to tell myself, like, I don't want to be anything like what my father was when he was younger. And there's always pros and cons to that, too, because you become resentful in areas and so on. But I mean, like, yeah, mm-hmm. with growing up, I really I f- would say my faith really helped mm-hmm. take me in a really good direction. And I'm very thankful for that. So is that what brought you to Hillsong International Bible College then? Yeah. So actually, prior to that, me and Faith and our yeah. friend Katie Cree, um, in 2011, we went to Toronto and we did a school ministry there. And when I was there, there was a like total healing in my life. It was like emotional roller coaster. Yeah, they have like like, a whole healing. I think I gained a little, like quite a bit of weight too. (laughs) (laughs) Back and even me and Katie were at the gym every night, skipping curfew. (laughs) Me, I was like Uh at Jack Astor's going to watch. oh yeah first time girl like we didn't have any restaurants like that where we were right and then back then we didn't know how many calories were in anything no and like just it was they didn't even have it listed or anything yeah the the food was really bad at the school too yeah it was well I wasn't even eating the food at the school I was um I was cooking out of a like a steamer like a plug-in oh, yeah, steamer were, like really in a grill intense. I was really intense I had a grill I, had a I was I was, <laughs> no, it was I so was extra. really prioritizing my health at the time okay oh yeah that's when you would run like 5k or 10k a day right I do 10k every day yeah my knees <laughs> yeah. are paying for it today. I did go to the gym sometimes though oh yeah occasionally she would come yeah yeah that's okay. why I'm like big into the stairmaster now because it's like low Your impact. Knees. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we did go to Toronto, and then when I was in Toronto, we went to all of us kind of like set or did um different groups where we went to different countries. Mm-hmm. And so like Faith, you went to Denmark. I went to Denmark. Yeah, and I went to Germany, and that's where I felt like in my. Where did faith, Katie go? She Katie went to the to- UK. Oh, UK. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. we were all like, we went to Europe. We were we on the same flight to Europe. She didn't even say hi to me. I didn't even realize. I'm like, how could you not say so hi to me? Wait, I, how did you not know that you guys were on the same flight? I didn't know she was on the flight. She knew I was on the flight because she could hear me laughing. You but how come you were guys... embarrassed because I was laughing right now? <laughs> <laughs> The Medea movie. <laughs> but how come Listen, you guys yes. didn't talk before and you're like, oh yeah, we're on the same plane. Let's go to the airport together. Let's do this together. What how did we not talk about this? Well, we were with our groups and I was sitting right. with my group. Yeah. I'm very, what did you say? Like, I'm, I don't get very distracted. Like if I'm on a like task, if I'm getting like to go, like if I'm going somewhere and I'm in a task, like if that yeah, makes she's sense. She's on a mission. She's I'm on like a mission. mission oriented. Yeah, I, you know, that, like, wow. 
I can't even believe like I didn't even see like the flight was so big right it's a huge plane so I had no clue that my own first cousin was on the same flight to Europe I can't believe you guys weren't nosy and didn't talk about it like that's the thing that I like you're not nosy about I I know well I knew what what Katie's flight was Uh like you didn't even see each other at the gate no, no, I didn't see her. hiding. No, yeah, she's like I don't know that girl. I was hiding. Don't get away from her. Get away. From okay, her. Oh, so tell us about Australia then. How was Australia? Did you so, meet anybody? There? Yeah. So when I was in Germany, that's where oh, I felt like Germany. Australia got like revealed to me. Actually, I was praying about it, and then I was like, God, like send me like obvious signs, like just just get send me some confirmation so like one silly thing might be to somebody would was that this um church that we were staying at it had literally like three clocks on the wall and one was a German like <laughs> time and then one was like an American one or somewhere I don't know like in North America and then was one was an Australian clock and it was like the Australian clock and so like <laughs> I was just taking it and I was like I'm gonna go to Australia but I have no money I'm so broke but if this yeah. is what you want, God, then you'll make it happen. She was selling so, like tobacco for a little while. They are trying to make money to go. <laughs> I was I was working at a little store, and I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, and I I knew cigarettes. <laughs> the one thing I knew. <laughs> so, so that's when I came back. When I but um yeah, so I went to Australia um in 2012 in January, and I literally. It was really crazy because I had no money and I was like, okay, God, like if this is going to happen, you're going to provide the money. And I remember telling Alicia, like, she's like, so what, how's that Australia thing going? Like, are you saving money? I was like, I'm not going anymore. And she was like, um, you're going. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she was (laughs) like, you're going. And I was like, but I have no money. And she's like, no, just like trust in God and it's going to come into place. And so what I learned in that process was it wasn't in my timing. It was in like God, like creator, um, like it was in his timing of when things would be revealed to me because I had a person like message me and he was like, Hey, I just want to say like your statuses um, have been super, super encouraging to me. And I want to bless you with money. And it was like, oh really and so he's like yeah what's your like EMT so I sent him my email and then he was like I needed $400 for my um visa for like Australia and he sent me $400 and I was like this is crazy and like another person here in the community blessed me with the thousand dollars and so like I could like book my flight everything got covered I literally got on the airplane with a one-way ticket to Australia and my first week's rent first week first week's rent oh my gosh and oh yeah, my I was gosh. like what am I doing what am I doing I don't even have money to go back I don't even have money to go back oh my gosh one-way ticket to Australia that's yeah. crazy and in and I can't believe how many synchronicities and stuff whatever whatever it was had lined up like oh yeah, I needed absolutely. this got that whatever yeah. got that I definitely believe that, like, I, I know it is faith and spirituality. Like, I definitely, definitely believe the creator has our back. And it's like, 
we have our path laid out for us and it's just on us to like stay on it there's definitely times in my life I felt like I've been warming up for things like in like okay. when I was 22 I, I had this experience to warm me up for 25 to warm me up for 32 so I could like yeah. Yeah. I think the when those things happen you're on the right path but that's just crazy that like oh my god yeah. so what happened in Australia highlight that's <laughs> where she met her husband I yeah. met my that's- husband this was crazy because I lived in a gated community and I was doing the pastoral leadership so basically the pastoral leadership program that I was taking was more of like learning how to speak in like public um in front mm-hmm. of a lot of people and just like learning how to do different like leadership like skills so it wasn't like oh, you're going to become a pastor. Like it was a lot of like um, learning how to speak in front of people, like I said, um, and just doing a lot of like, I got to speak one of their chapels where there was like all the students in the college. And that's like one of the biggest like Bible colleges like in the world, um, one of the biggest churches in the world. And so like, there was a lot of amazing things. So the one that um, my husband was doing, he was in the worship. So he was doing music. And the funny thing was, so we're not in the same like course, right? Um, he literally, he lived in the gated community like me and he lived like four or five houses from me and we never crossed path in the first like three months. Whoa. So yeah. And then when we finally met, um, then we became friends and he was like, he, he said like, oh my goodness, like, don't even go there. Like with that girl, she's too beautiful. And And I was just like, hi like trying to get a word out of him because he was so shy and I'm just like okay whatever (laughs) (laughs) but it was really it was cool just like how everything came into place um with us and yeah there was just a lot of um I really felt like that's who my husband was gonna be so I was around what like 20 Mm -hmm. when I was at college yeah and I was really focused on like my my faith with God and just being like, this is why I'm here, not for like trying to find a guy or whatever. And me and my husband built a friendship for like, I think it was like, so for three months, so for three months, we were friends. And then after the three months, he asked me to be his girlfriend. Ooh. Yeah. And even when he told me that he liked me, I was like, started like rolling my hair with my finger and I literally <laughs> fell back on my chair on the ground. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> you like me? What? <laughs> yeah, was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's my girl. You got weak. <laughs> I literally fell for him. Literally. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And then they grew their family and well, now they have their first home here now on the reserve. Oh, we were in Switzerland. Oh, yes. Yeah. They lived in Switzerland okay. for like a good yeah. five years. My question about that is, how did you guys decide together to move to Switzerland? And then how did you guys decide that it was time to come home? Like what happened? Yeah. So it was really important for me. I like leaving the reserve was a choice that I felt like I needed. Well, well, basically why I pursued like ministry school and Bible college was because I could have went to like university to become something else. But for me in that time in my life, I really felt like God was saying to me, I want you to discover who you are in me. And later on, the other stuff will come. 
And there's a lot of stuff you need to work on in yourself as a person and with healing in your life and all these things. And I was like, Kate, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work in like work on myself in this time. And then later on, things will come to place. So when I married um, my husband, he's Swiss. Um, but he looks like a straight up like native guy. Yeah, he blends <laughs> right in. Because his mom is actually from the States. And yeah. she has like, Lena she kind of has some native. Uh, her grandmother was Lena Lena Petri. Right. So her, he has <laughs> an indigenous grandparent. So I remember when I went there. And well, who was it? Somebody at the birthday was like, what res do you think he's from? And somebody like tricked me into it. And I was like, I don't know, Millbrook. Yeah. <laughs> Millbrook, <laughs> he gets asked if he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His dad is Malaysian. So he's yeah. like got that mix yeah. himself too, but he blends right in on the reserve. I yeah. find Malaysian, the Malaysian men I've met, okay, two. They've been very handsome. Yeah. Yep. So, yes, he's definitely a um, very handsome guy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, so the thing was like when we got engaged, was. Okay, wait, how did that happen? Tell us. Well, we were dating for one year exactly. And then mm-hmm. I went with Alicia to her in-laws in New Brunswick and she was like, he was playing this whole thing. I haven't seen him in like six months because we did the long distance thing. And um, I was like, when is this guy coming? I thought he was coming to like Nova Scotia. And Alicia was like, can you come with me to New Brunswick? Um, I got to go stay at my in-laws for the night. And I'm like, I can't because like Kevin could show up anytime. Like I can't go out of the province. And she was like, right. please, this would mean so much to me. And she was like almost crying. Wait, oh she legit even, turned the yeah. She how was come like, didn't know when he was showing up. So they were. What did you say? Conspiring? Yeah, they're conspiring. Other? Well, what did he tell you? <laughs> they had a whole plan that he was going to propose to me in New Brunswick. No, he didn't tell me what date. So I thought he was coming to Nova Scotia, but he was going to New Brunswick. And so we go to her in-laws, and we stayed there, or we went there for the night. And then the next day, I was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we gotta head back." And then we're there the whole day like she's just like hey like um I want to take you to a spa like this is one of my favorite spas I'll treat you to get your nails done I'm like okay but I (laughs) really need to get back but sure okay I'll get my nails done which was like the best massage on my calves with the hot stones oh my goodness nice so it turns out Kevin actually paid for my nails and stuff to be done it was him. So I was getting done because he was going to be proposing. So I had to have nice nails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was cool. thinking about the details. He was thinking about uh-huh. details. I think Alicia helped. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, so I do this and I tell Alicia, I'm like, hey, like, okay, we're going to head out soon. She was like, yeah, okay. But first, um, it's really important that we take Grace to go to the like the beach and you had to drive up like this big dirt road. And she's like, she yeah. really wants to go fly a kite. And I'm like, can't she fly a kite in Nova Scotia? <laughs> <laughs> like the sun is setting soon it's evening we need to get out of here like this is in St. John we're going and to remember how I said she's mission oriented yeah you know? so she's like on her mission like okay. when you're like this we gotta already... go at the time I'm like let's go this is already <laughs> making me feel anxious knowing <laughs> that you're like trying to get back home right that's I was so anxious I'm like no Alicia like can she fly the kite like and Grace was like two 
Ailey. She was pretty little. And or one. And Alicia's like, well, I mean, like, it would be really special if she does it here. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, let's go. Like, can we go now? <laughs> um, yeah, we're waiting just like, I'm like, what are we waiting for? So we get in the car. <laughs> We're driving up like this dirt road going to where like it's like the beachy kind of part like stones and stuff. Yeah. She's literally like cornered like in the corner on her phone like blocking so, so I couldn't see who she's texting and I'm like why are you hiding your phone for me and she was like <laughs> oh I'm not. <laughs> me being right nosy. <laughs> yeah see. I was like, okay, like let's go. Yeah. Let's get let's get this girl flying her kite and let's hit the road. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get up to like the place and all I see is like a random car parked there and it said New York. And I knew Kevin was in New York prior. And I was like, why is there a car from New York here? Like all so the you're way in suspicious. I was like, wait a second. And then we go outside and then I see like his best friend down like on the like he was taking the pictures and I'm like oh that little rascal then <laughs> he yeah. had like he had like our pictures like um they were like it four was a pictures. nice location yeah though. it was really pretty so yeah he had four pictures of us um on different spots and um he wrote like different like letters on them um where the pictures were taken when we were in Australia and then when I got to like the huge rock like this big one I'm like where is this guy and then it says on the last note, he's like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Um, if you want to start this journey with me, then yell out yes. And I'm like, I do not like to yell. Like, I am a, like, I don't like to yell. I'm not loud. No. And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and Alicia, Jessica, yell like you mean it. And I was like, <laughs> and then comes popping up over the stone he's like thank you here and I was like you're really gonna make me climb and Alicia's like Jessica get your butt up there <laughs> was thank like, God Alicia okay. was there but yeah I was like you're gonna make me climb up there what is this <laughs> so I get up there and it was funny because they had a video of it like recorded of us or him proposing mm -hmm. and in the whole video all you hear is the wind blowing and our lips like his lips just moving so I don't even remember what he says he doesn't even remember what he says <laughs> yeah but it happened it happened I said yes and then after nine months uh we got married here in Nova Scotia really beautiful yeah. um wedding too it was Faith uh was my well, yes. I believe it's beautiful because the way that I, I like you welcomed me into your home, the way that I, you stylized your home, I could only imagine how beautiful <laughs> your wedding was. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, in Chester, yeah. Nova Scotia, which is this really beautiful location. And it was at a golf resort. They had these beautiful chalets and stuff. It was a nice, a very nice wedding. Yeah, I wish I could a go back. A fun party. It was like literally my the best night of my mom's life. Oh, and you're <laughs> like, like never had a pictures. better day. <laughs> it was so cute. Never like your, your mom was like sitting there like in one picture and she has yeah. their hands like folded together. Yeah. And she's like this, like mm -hmm. she just like has like tears in her eyes. And like, I know she's your mom and like she loves you guys. Mm -hmm. but I think I'm her favorite <laughs> I agree <laughs> I'm her best friend literally they're like the same human in some ways <laughs> yeah she's my bestie 
yeah <laughs> strong you know outspoken won't take anything from anybody yeah and which is like makes sense for her like she does uh she's always been very passionate about like political science and I can see her going down the political route she did uh run for council this past pregnant um very <laughs> pregnant yeah <laughs> Oh, you just thought you met your mom. No, <laughs> I Jessica. Oh, actually, wow. She was actually so close and she just got home. So she's probably going to be a counselor soon. Oh, I'm going to have to like edit this later yeah. on. <laughs> we have yeah. counselor Jess. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. I know we were on a little bit of a time crunch, but I wanted to ask you a couple more things. And there, the first is... How or why do you put put so much, um, I don't want to say like effort, but like you make your home so beautiful. Um, how and why and like how does that um, impact you and your mental health? But then also I want to talk about like body dysmorphia if we get a chance. So tell me about your home. Yeah, so, so I beautiful. feel like... I thank you (laughs) thank you Mm -hmm. and that means a lot to me too like hearing that because that's what I want to hear is that people um are like hey like this is what or like this is how I feel when I come in your house and like just to kind of not to go off track but like I just lost my gram um to cancer Mm -hmm. on December 12th and when she came to my house, so she hasn't been to my house probably since like the springtime of last year, um, because she was in the wheelchair and it was really hard for her to be able to like come up the stairs and stuff. So she only ever came in my house, my new home, um, one time. And I remember I was sitting at the island with her. I think it was Kevin's birthday in March, mm-hmm. if I can remember, maybe. Um, and she was sitting with me and she said, hey, Jess. And I was like, yeah, she said, I just want to say like your home feels so good and it was like thank you and she was like no it feels I can't explain it it just feels safe and it feels like so good here like the feeling and I wish it's like that is the biggest compliment that you can Mm -hmm. give me because I want even for my sisters I've always said like I want this to be their safe like place or people in my family where they come and they feel overwhelmed or they feel stressed that they can come here and it's kind of like an oasis. And I understand like being raised like on the reserve and especially in my like household, like my mom suffered a lot with like depression and stuff and like our home wasn't very clean. Um, But I always try to take care of my room and that was like my oasis. And I remember even Faith used to say Mm -hmm. when she would come to my house when I was younger, she would say, you know, every time when I come to your room, it feels so good. And that was like my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind but of when we go it. in the house, like on our way to a room, she'd be like, don't look anywhere else. Don't, yeah. like, don't look in, into the house. <laughs> she would always be like, don't yeah. look, don't look in the living yeah, room. Just don't go look in the kitchen. <laughs> because it, and I think yeah. just like a lot of that. So even though I take a lot of pride in what I'm doing, like I'm very artistic as well. So like photography, like art, like things that are aesthetically pleasing, like make, I think it goes deeper than kind of like what it's, it looks like. So I think a lot of it kind of like the root of it is that 
not really being raised in a very like clean like environment where things kind of feel like chaotic and I feel like whenever my house gets even messy right now with kids I have to start like cleaning and organizing at some point because it makes me feel overstimulated like I feel overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I kind of get a little snappy um and just like I think it brings up more of my childhood so I'm I'm pretty like self-aware in a lot of things that are in my environment so I think that's probably why like my home is the way it is because it's a lot of who I am today yeah it's like keeping uh well you know in a welfare culture in Chelsea and Dasha's new book the seven circles of wellness one of the one circles is sacred space Mm. and uh which is really you know a really beautiful chapter to talk about you know keeping your space minimal and like yeah. clean mm-hmm. and that's actually like you know it's it's a privileged com concept you know minimalism yeah, and stuff right mm-hmm. but this is actually traditional to our to our culture right. to have um, yeah sacred space and I find that like, like some some generations a little bit older than us they grew up in poverty so now that they have things they like don't want to let them go so it's definitely a hoarding type of situation but it's oh, like more it, it is deeper than that so you don't want to like oh I'm just gonna throw out all your things but it's like oh like how do we how do we make you feel safe and secure in this space where you feel like I can get rid of this thing I haven't used and however that's just taking up space right. um but I think also with the sacred spaces I was so lucky growing up where my parents made our household alcohol and drug free so I think um do you how do you create that kind of space for your daughters so like that's really good that you mentioned my daughters because that's what I was just thinking was that my goal is that I want to create an like an environment where my daughters grow up and they want to come back home to like visit and be like my household like growing up my mom you know had it clean like things made sense in our home and I feel like a lot of like like items and objects carry like things with them so the thing is like I'm very also intentional like what is in my home like I'm not just gonna let like certain things come in that are just like kind of random like, I, I really, like, I used to, like, hate those McDonald's toys. <laughs> so I would just throw yeah. them away. Yeah. So, like, with and my girls. Cheese. Yeah. Okay, so, like, go. <laughs> but with, like, my girls is that, yeah, like, I want them to feel like they want to come home. And, like, this is their safe place. This is, like, it's also going to help their mental, like, health, you know, when they're growing up and able to, you know, create their, like, their personal space in their bedrooms and, that I just want to give them things that are, I don't want to say like, the thing is also too to mention, like, my mom always gave me affection through like, materialistic things, because she had the motive, like, I didn't have this when I was younger. So I want you to have everything that I didn't have. So I was quite like spoiled also being like, the only child for so many years. And then when I was growing up, I always said, I'm not going to buy my kids so much stuff when I get older and so me and my husband have like a five gift rule with our girls so for Christmas time like they legit like get four or five gifts from us and they all have to like be intentional and make sense 
mm. that they can use them and the family usually gives like the other gifts but yeah. we just have that rule because consumerism is such a huge thing and I find here like within the communities is that our people have not had a lot of things like you said that yeah. mindset and now today like people are able to get more things and the consumerism is so bad where even in these houses that are reserve are building they don't build out the basements so it mm. turns into like a storage basement basement and a lot of people just get yeah. a bunch of junk like in yeah. their basements just junk yeah. so it's very easy to do and things just kind of like pile on and accumulate yeah yeah and so I don't people do, do have that. are like making money right yeah. and are doing well financially so you yeah. know are also sort of wanting to prove themselves mm-hmm. and that's kind of like a struggle I think that we have and uh so yeah I think that's a really good point it's just to make them things more meaningful the things that you mm-hmm. keep yeah yeah well okay so a little tight on time but okay Kev, my husband has a message to me oh, yes so we're still we're doing good, good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay perfect so let's switch it then and start to talk about like we talked about sacred spaces let's talk about ourselves and our bodies um <clears throat> how we I think we all did this we are all like we were so growing up that we we were so I think I was so tall that and like just sturdy that like I would had a body dysmorphia that I was like large and in charge when I really was like a size medium living in an XL how would you describe body dysmorphia as a teen for yourself and like what yeah that. So I think it's really interesting just observing like how like the the time that my sisters are in today and like mm-hmm. the things that they have to deal with with like their like identity and like how they view themselves and I'm just like my sisters have like the nicest curves like I'm like mm. these are not res girls <laughs> like they got <laughs> the pretty like okay like I don't even got the curves like I got the, you know, the norm, just how we all, you know, have just, it's a, it's a they got like, the they don't even work out these girls, they don't do fitness, but they got these pretty little hourglass little shapes where they can wear the little, what do you call it, crop tops crop and tops. the high like jeans. And I'm like, like, y'all look amazing. Like, <laughs> where, did, where, where did that happen? Like, is that a- <laughs> so, so I'm just like the things that like, I love today that curves are so accepted and Mm -hmm. it's so in and like all the different like body shapes and everything like I think it's amazing but also too you have social media which we didn't have back then that plays such also vicious like um also like yeah it's it's a very vicious like comparative comparative place because a lot of people do photoshop a lot of things aren't like authentic like in their in their photos so girls are comparing themselves but then when I think of when I was a teenager like you were saying it was like dang like I was so tiny growing up but I was thinking I wasn't because girls had to be super skinny when we were younger growing up in the 2000s yeah it was very tough because it was uh the ideal body type was very like Caucasian blonde Mm -hmm. blue eyes very thin 
um Paris Hilton yeah. <laughs> it was like and I remember, remember like special k diet was like and I think that's what we connected on Jess when I posted like about a special mm-hmm. k diet and it was like these people really taught us to have two bowls of cereal for your breakfast and lunch and then have a normal meal for dinner yeah. and but that's what I was doing and right. I was like playing sports all the time not really eating healthy like having a iced tea and a large cookie like the the cafeteria cookies and then like having my special k and I'm like I'm so big because I, I I'm still having this iced tea and cookie right. when really like n- n- no you were fine I was fine I was just 510 and nothing fit me because I'm 510 yeah, yeah. yeah. but I well, we didn't really was- have a lot of options for clothes no. either no. so I had to get really creative when um when finding clothes, you know, like you needed like the extra tank top underneath your shirts because the yeah. shirts were, were higher, but right. not, but not like crop level either. Yeah. Yeah. And then the yeah. pants, the jeans were very low rise. Low rise. That was so, like the. <gasps> so it was really <laughs> hard not to like if you didn't want to yeah. show your skin. Yeah. For, for your stomach, like you had to like get very creative. Yeah, and like what we were saying. Um, when we were chatting on Instagram was that like, even though that was in that time and we're in a different time today, like what I had to bat or what I I didn't really realize I struggled with, like with my weight or anything of saying like, oh, I don't look like this or that. It wasn't until when I had like my first baby and I saw where I got like hips and I, you know, got bigger like breasts and like, I put on some weight and then afterwards I'm like, oh my goodness, like I've never, well, I did put weight on in the school ministry too. And I look back, I like, okay. But um, just like being pregnant and then expecting that my body was going to go back to how it was like pre-baby. And in that time of like, I think the first like year, two years, I had to, my body's actually like shifted and changed. Um, did she freeze? I can hear you keep talking um so yeah I I had to learn to re like love myself my body my physical appearance and I've never been so happy even right now I'm like oh my body's not in like the best shape right now but I also had to be like five months ago and I have to keep telling myself that I'm like oh like five months ago um but the thing is like I am more accepting of my body today than I would have been like before even after my first baby because I had to literally learn how to like love my new body things that mm-hmm. have shifted like your ribs and everything expand and your hips mm-hmm. expand and they're not going to shift back into place. Your body just changes. And I have to be like, Hey, I grew this human. I grew three girls. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, and having like new buying like clothes that make you feel good in your, in your new body too. Right. It's just like finding what will make you feel good. Yeah. And we have to like today in our generation is that all these girls who got like the nice curves and like, I love it that, you know, this time that they're in, but we still today with that young girl 
that we saw like Britney Spears, Paris Hilton. Yeah. Like, those are the girls that we were comparing ourselves in that time. And we still kind of like carry that mm-hmm. where it's like that skinny, skinny, you know? Yeah. It was a lot of real unrealistic um, ideas about body type, like from even going back to like Barbie dolls, right? Mm-hmm. And now they've changed the size of Bob- the Barbie dolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even like Britney Spears is still stuck in it. Like that's why I, that's why I like blame on her. That's what I think has catalyst or whatever her, her struggles and stuff is because mm-hmm. I'm like, she's held to this crazy standard that they, they were under and like, she's still living in it. She doesn't have like, she's not curvy she's still wearing low-rise jeans she's still in that yeah. time and yeah. I was reading um Jessica Simpson's book and she when she was like preparing for the Dukes of Hazard or something she like wasn't eating at all or I can't remember what she said but she said she was like the ways that she was living and they wanted her to lose more weight like she couldn't and she got to such a awful place because of that so I think that was a hard time like it's a hard time for women now but I think that was a hard time in the 2000s for women so harder in it oh yeah that's that's hard that's tough yeah the modeling world oh my goodness well you know that's uh the one thing that I'm grateful for the Kardashians for (laughs) (laughs) they kind of went over to the complete opposite but you know (laughs) at least we found this and also like how the fitness world really Mm -hmm. grew yeah I'm so grateful for the fitness world because I look at other like I look at girls like Kelsey Plume and she's she's a woman she's a female basketball player and I think I look at her and I'm like she looks just like me when I was playing she looks like not okay I wasn't last one but you know like slender and like mm-hmm. fit and just like her body is built to do all these things is built to move fast built to do this and she can like throw she's really famous on Instagram for being able to throw um a t-shirt toss like into the third the top level of a stadium so that's what she's famous for and I'm like that if you look at the Card- like Kardashians they can't do that they mm-hmm. can't do all these things and I know that um one of this is such a side note but there's a rapper called Wale and he rapped this one line that is like my favorite because he said I want my girl built like she can run us a 100 meters mm-hmm. and I'm like that's me, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> like they're finally rapping I know Quay's always my inspo for lifting heavy (laughs) this girl can lift weight I can can lift babies yeah Yeah. (laughs) hit a lot of groceries (laughs) right oh my goodness well I guess going into um taking care of your mental health what are like what are some things that you feel that help you take care of your mental health as well as your spiritual health yeah, so I was talking with Faith um, earlier was that um, I always kind of like, I'm very self-aware. I think of the lot of, like a lot of the, um, what do you sell? I wouldn't say like self-care, but the things I put into my, into myself and my healing journey, mm-hmm. um, I've become, yeah, I really like self-aware and I kind of was like blindsided. Um, well, I was really blindsided in 2019 um, 
when my grandfather, I came home for a visit and um, that night when we arrived around like 1030 um, at night and he was there like greeting us like he always did um, when we would come visiting from Switzerland. And like I said, this was 2019. And um, then the next day, like we had went to church and then came home. And I remember my husband was like having a good conversation with him in the kitchen. And I was like, hey, we got to go for lunch. That's like my task. Like stuff. I was like, we got to go for lunch right now. Like he's taking long talking, but something inside of me was just saying like, let it be. And my grandfather was like a man of like very few words Mm -hmm. and he was talking up the storm. So I was like, right. oh, that was like really rare. So I just kind of like didn't feel to interrupt. And um, so I let them talk. And then when um, Kevin came out, we said, yeah, we'll see you later, granddad. And so we went um, to get lunch and we had come back um, just like without getting into detail. Like we we did see an ambulance that was around the corner for my grandparents. Um, Not at the house. It was just like a house away and around the corner and I just remember seeing like there was a person on the sidewalk and they were performing like CPR. And then um, I, my husband was like, oh, should we pull over and see what's going on? And I said, no, if it was one of my family members, I wouldn't want random cars pulling over, like watching. And then as we pulled into my grandparents, I think it was like five minutes later, they came and said, my grandfather, like they think he had a heart attack and that was him. And I was like, what? And like, ended up we ended up going to the hospital I literally watched my grandfather's body like sorry to get like really like you know deep in it but mm-hmm. like just saw his mm-hmm. body up and down when they're performing CPR for like mm-hmm. a half an hour and it just like I was very so the thing is when I go into like trauma I get very logical so and I'm like a logical thinker when yeah. I'm in trauma and I don't realize it and then afterwards like when I experienced the whole thing, I didn't cry. I was there being of support to my gram, um, the one that just had passed away recently. And I was there supporting her and like my family and I was praying. And then afterwards, when I went to the bathroom, that's when it hit me and I started like freaking out and I was crying. I was like, what just happened? What just happened? And mm-hmm. so with that, I got three weeks with my family, like literally got to be with them for three weeks, went back to Switzerland, COVID hit. I had to grieve being in Switzerland um, <clears throat> without my family. I always had to know that one day I was going to come back home and I still had to pull in that driveway and not see him while my whole family got to grieve. So the thing was, I had such a hard time in the year of 2020 everybody Mm -hmm. a lot of people did yeah but I especially had a very hard year because Mm -hmm. I wasn't self-aware of trauma and the trauma in my life really affected me where I was kind of like snappy explosive and my marriage got really rocky and could have really fell apart Mm -hmm. and that's just being straight up because not there anymore in that place (laughs) we you know surpassed that but I thought it was going to fall apart. And my husband was just like, it's going to take a lot more for me to walk away from this marriage. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to push through this with you. And Mm -hmm. so I started to get therapy. And I was like, I don't need therapy, like (laughs) one of those people. And I went to therapy and it was, um, she was also a Christian and she was an American woman who spoke English. 
Um, and I went to see her and I invested the money in seeing her and I got so much healing. And I was like, wow. So with all of that said, like for my mental health, like first off, it was my faith <clears throat> when I was a young girl, like kind of like pushed me in the direction of where I am today. I got to stay on like a sober, positive like path mm -hmm. in my life, made good choices, good community, support, good community right? support when I was away. And I always felt like I was going to come back to the community, but I never felt released yet to come back like spiritually. So I really felt like my passion was to come back and like serve and help like our people. But I was being equipped in that time until I would come back. Mm -hmm. And so then when, um, I'm trying to think now. Oh, yeah. So so I got therapy. So I really encouraged that like therapy is so good. And I wasn't aware that I had trauma, um, which affected a lot of different areas in my life could look differently right now if I didn't do that. Yeah. And um, another thing too. So it's like one, two and three. The third thing would be um, being very self-aware. So I'm very yeah, self-aware with her boundaries. Yeah, like, my she boundaries knows how to like set herself. Yeah. She'll be like, I could do this, but until this time kind of thing, mm -hmm. like she's good yeah. with her boundaries. So I feel like those things really help me on a daily basis. Cause even with my husband, I'm like, no, can't talk about this right now. We're going to pick a time to talk about this. I can't do this right now. You need to leave the room. <laughs> not going to be very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that though, because you're not like dismissing it. You're like, no later we're gonna pick a time because someone if someone can easily say to like yeah we'll talk about it later and it won't happen but you're like you're holding yourself accountable saying taking a time and yeah. yeah it's true and it was tough with our grandfather too because um mm -hmm. he was like a a pillar in their family he's my father figure yeah he was like the main father yeah. figure and um not only that he was like a good man like he did a lot in the community and like even my own mm -hmm. brother when he was a teenager was wearing you know like flip-flops in the winter oh, yeah. and he gave him boots he was like what you've got boots on and he gave him his own boots. Yeah. you know <laughs> like he kept yeah. people's cars running you yeah. know yeah <laughs> I feel like for Joe though that was like a, a statement like I could yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna get detailed yeah. with That's that but yeah, <laughs> yeah so it, it was actually for fashion but <laughs> but still why are you but wearing still, the principal <laughs> so, so uh, there's been some losses but there's also been you know new family and yeah um restoration and so, you, so yeah, like even adding to that, um, what's really important, like I've lost a lot of very close people and especially with my gram, like who just passed away with cancer, it's like, how do I stay positive? How do I stay in a good place of, um, in my mindset? These are people who were shaping my, mm -hmm. my childhood and who I am today. And like, there's moments where I'm like, Hey, mm -hmm. wait a second. Like, I can't just call my gram. Like, she's not here anymore. And then it hits you where you're like, whoa, like, this is, this is like real. Like, I'm I'm not going to see them again, you know, mm -hmm. right now. So the thing is like, seeing that, but also in my faith is what keeps me steadfast. And knowing that like, this isn't the, what do you say, the final destination. Mm -hmm. And there will be a time where, 
there it comes in ebbs and flows right like yeah. life we have mm-hmm. we have pain but then we also have joy and yeah and it also you know helps us to appreciate each different emotion along our journey yeah I feel like this is that that was such a good way to like close off our, our episode like life does happen and when it's hard like you went to therapy yeah and I still get therapy today and the thing is allow yourself to feel the emotion I have a very hard time crying Mm -hmm. and especially being a mom when I would cry I turn it off when my kids come around so when I cry like just cry and allow yourself to feel it and it's going to come in waves grieving is a process and there's no time limit on it and just allow yourself to feel that hurt feel that sadness it's okay like it's not and the thing is it's not going to always be as intense Mm -hmm. as it was in the beginning and it does get a little bit easier but you have to allow yourself to grieve and to feel it Mm -hmm. and there's no time frame on it so don't expect after one year it's like hey I'm fine without that person like no you can still cry and -hmm. feel that hurt that's like an empty those are people that were shaping who you are and it's like an empty an emptiness that's really what it is mm-hmm. and I think so, that really would will resonate with a lot of our listeners just because like all across indigenous lands like we've gone through a lot of loss yeah. so I think a lot of people are afraid to feel the feelings so that is something that I did learn in therapy too is like you gotta you gotta go through it and it won't always be that intense mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it was t- tough like when we lost our aunt Anne Okay. And I know I've talked about this a bit on the previous episode, mm-hmm. but um, now I like, I feel like she was such a strong pillar in my life. I actually, during challenging situations in my life, like I have to do a 20 page paper or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's stressful, right? Mm-hmm. So I will be like, Auntie Anne, come and be with me. Like I like <laughs> call on these people who were, you know, I like that. a part mm-hmm. of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'd like ask them for some of their strength because mm-hmm. there's their spirits are still out there, you know? So, well, I just want to yeah. say, um, you know, thank you for um, sharing so much about your journey and yeah, um, your path mm-hmm. and your healing. And um, Jessica and her husband have a, an epoxy business mm-hmm. and she also mm-hmm. sells clay earrings. So, <laughs> when we release this we should definitely post some of your uh yeah, add it to the link. where people can follow you yeah where people can follow the business. you along with your businesses and she has okay. some some more things up and coming you know instagram really quick so it's uh jessica haji i think jessica haji or haji m yeah they're gonna see my last name too and be like that's not a native last name <laughs> yeah Jessica Haji H-A-J-I yeah give her a follow um thank you so much Jess you shared so much cool things and like I really enjoyed listening chatting with you and I hope our listeners did as well thank you for having me Namaltes. <laughs>
So your podcast Andes know that life can be tough and we want to end our episode with promoting the Hope for Wellness talk line. The Hope for Wellness um, helpline offers immediate help to all Indigenous people across Canada. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offer counseling and crisis intervention. Life can be tough and we've all been there. So call the toll-free helpline at 1-855-242-3310 or connect online to their chat at hopeforwellness.ca. And remember that your podcast aunties love you.